and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from around the world. I'm your host for today, Priscilla Charles, and I'm joined today through the magic of the internet uh, by uh, Anna Schlegel. Uh, welcome, Anna. Thank you so much for being here today with us. We're really happy. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Not at all. So let's get on to the show and start. Um, so we, Anna, we're going to st uh, start talking uh, about your background. I understand you were born in Catalonia and you grew up in the Pyrenees, uh, which is not far from France, where I come from. <laughs> so we're neighbors. Uh, can you share with our audience a little bit about your personal background? Sure. I was born in Ulot, which is uh, very, very close to the French border. Um, and I think uh, everybody thinks that because of that, you know, people that are born in uh, border towns, that uh, you're immediately uh, immersed into so many cultures. I remember, you know, and, and I, I grew up in uh, the late 60s in the Spanish, Catalan, French, you know, fiasco. And so a dictatorship, all of that. So um, we grew up speaking Catalan, Spanish uh, had forbidden Catalan. Uh, we were not allowed to speak Catalan, but that's all I only spoke until I was 17 and moved to Barcelona. And then I had to put the gear of Spanish there. Um, and yeah, when we would go shopping, we many, many times we would go shopping to France because it was at the border, right? Um, and in the Pyrenees where Catalan is pretty isolated there. Uh, it's and, and back in the 60s and 70s, it was even more so. I, I think, you know, Europe yeah. is way more global right now. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's how I grew up with, with that setup, right? And then you move to Barcelona, it's like, oh, people are speaking other languages here. So that was, <laughs> Big that was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, very multicultural. Yeah. So, um, so then you moved on. Uh, so you, you started your studies and uh, you hold a bachelor's degree in German and English philology and uh, but also a postgraduate degree in linguistics and German philology. So That's right. you speak really impressive eight languages. I see. I do. Yes. And uh, that includes Catalan, German, Italian, Swahili. Uh, that's super impressive. So can Spanish. You yeah, Spanish, French. of course, French. So what yeah. triggered this interest in languages in the first place? Well, as I said, you know, I grew up speaking uh, French, Catalan, Spanish, just by being from that area. Yes. Um, and then my father uh, somehow had this vision that English was going to be very important. I know we were from the mountains and all of that, but he had this vision that uh, in order to do, he, he had a, you know, he had a good job and he got to travel. So he would come back and say, you know, around the world, people are speaking in English. You need to learn English. So that, yeah, yeah. So he had that insight for us. So we, uh, all my brothers and I, my dad actually got us a, a British uh, tutor. Wow. Uh, and so every week we had to see her about three times. So from a very early age, I spoke English. Um, and then German came when I studied uh, in Barcelona. Um, and then, you know, if you speak French and Catalan and Spanish, you get Italian. So when I moved to Germany to do some part of my studies, my roommate was Italian. So Italian came you about that way. Um, and Swahili came because I've been a fair amount of times to Kenya. And so I, I wanted to study it so uh, that I could speak a little bit with the principals of the schools that we were supporting. And I don't know, some of, some of these things just, just took on. 
That's fantastic. That's really. Impressive. I guess I was born like I'm okay with languages. I'm really bad with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> You're certainly very impressive when it comes to languages. Um, so now I'd like to talk about your current role. You're the head sure. of product portfolio solutions, as you mentioned, information engineering and globalization at mm -hmm. NetApp. Can yeah. you share a little bit with our audience to you know about some of your backgrounds on NetApp and also your current role in the organization? Sure. So NetApp is the one of the top leading companies in the world for data management. Uh, we're, you know, the data driven company. We a lot of uh, top 50, 100 companies use our services, our products. Um, I started at NetApp about nine years ago, almost 10 years ago as the uh, head of uh, localization. Uh, very quickly, uh, because I had run globalization at VMware, Cisco, other places, you know, I, I um, was pretty lucky to be able to talk to the CEO already very, very early on to say an advantage for the company would be if we didn't think about localization, but we thought about globalization. What are the countries, the country managers? Who are we placing to manage these countries? Uh, how are the geographies organized? Are the departments inside of the company hooked up to this yeah. process, right? Um, and so we changed the name of localization to globalization within the next couple of uh, years, uh, which was very, very good. And I um, reported to the vice president of strategy for a while, and he told me, Anna, if you want to be someone someday, think about strategy. Don't think about, you know, localization workflows and translations and reviewers, you know, and things like that. And, and so he taught me the art of strategy um, of, Yes, thinking about revenue and thinking of the why and yeah. not localizing everything and, and focus, a lot of focus, 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 and not trying to do everything, but really what is important for the Japanese customer or the Korean customer or, or why was Europe for us so different than APAC or the Middle East or Latin America. So that's how we became the globalization strategy team. And uh, three or four years ago, I was very lucky to... Uh, be asked to manage the information engineering strategy for the company because we're all passionate about authoring and content and words and sites and digital experience, right? When you localize, you see everything, you see all Absolutely. these sites. Yeah. Um, and I was not very good at uh, information engineering, but I think I've, I've learned quite a bit in the last two or three years. Um, and it's a very powerful union to have the content writers and then the globalizers. Absolutely. And then last year, um, we expanded the team um, to further, this is, I, I think, you know, I'm being very well uh, guided to, to further the fact that now we uh, manage the workflows that the product managers have to use. Um, and so that's this product portfolio solutions where we uh, have tools like at, from the Atlassian uh, tool suite yeah. where we know what program managers and product managers are going through. And so we can think of the phases of the product, of the life cycle, um, and see are they doing all the right things, are product managers doing all the right things in each one of the steps. That That is even more powerful, right? Absolutely. And so that's that's what we have today. We're developing, you know, different portfolio to market uh, ideas on how products um, 
can can incubate or innovate and then how do they grow how do they get globalized and then how do we harvest them and so what is that whole life cycle of the product and so we we manage that yeah that's fantastic wow thank you so much so yep. you're also uh, you also occupy the chair of uh, women in technology at NetApp. and uh, can you also tell us a little bit about um, this chair in women in technology please Sure. So today, today, there's a huge party at NetApp. We're celebrating our 10th year anniversary today. So after this, we're going to a huge party with balloons and the CEO oh, and Kava and all kinds of stuff. Um, so, yes, yeah, so NetApp uh, had a CTO about 10 years ago, very clever man uh, who has been very successful, who had this idea that uh, there were not enough women here. And so he started something called women in technology 10 years ago okay this guy had a vision 10 years ago uh, they started with two women then three women then five women you know and it, it kind of grew um, and it was very much in um, in engineering it was in the engineering department um, I could see this group right I was in product marketing so I was never in engineering at that time and I could uh, see these women and I would say, you know, like I have all these studies in linguistics, but I'm not a computer scientist, so I, I don't belong there. And little did I know that about like three years ago, they told me go and lead some groups in engineering, right? Um, and I knocked at their door and I said, hey, I'm uh, from product marketing here. Could I please, I'm now in engineering. Could yeah. I try these women in technology thing? And they said, what do you know how to do? And I said, not, you know, I'm not much in engineering. But they, they, um, they asked me to be their treasurer, the finance. And remember, I told you it was not very good in numbers. <laughs> so, um, and I took on the role. Uh, and a year later, I was the chair. Uh, and um, we are about 1,300 women. Uh, it's It's grown exponentially when we opened it up. So I said, you know, if I... If I'm asked to be the chair, please let me bring the rest of the women in the organization from legal, from support, from professional services, from marketing, from IT, um, from the channel teams, from sales. And they said, okay. So we went from like four or 500 to like 1200 and it's wow. a huge party right now, right? Uh, and there's so much emphasis in the Silicon Valley today uh, for technical companies to welcome women and re retain retain the women that are here and attract more women. Um, and so that's the role that I have. Fantastic. Thank you. That's very inspiring. And um, you're also a member of the Fin Global Forum and uh, you delivered yeah, yeah. a keynote presentation in which you said, I'm quoting you, going global becomes crucial as we're trying to expand innovation uh, across the world. We need to find ways to expand information as fast as thunder across the world, especially in areas which that will help humanity. So how do you see, what, to what extent do you think technology will help companies going global, especially when it comes to the localization industry? Um, so I, I don't think about localization anymore. I think of the power of the people in the business of globalization. They see a lot, right? They they work in Africa, they work in Japan, they work in Europe, they work everywhere. So why do we keep talking about localization? To me, it's like all these super clever, fantastic people, please collaborate in resolving issues, 
right? Instead of fighting about price and quality, it's like, let's just rally around big business problems and resolve them. And if you have teams in Japan, maybe they have a much better idea than you had it in the States. And so what's that secret sauce that you can empower anybody, everybody in your teams to really innovate? And so um, if you're lucky enough to have teams that sit around the world, uh, all these headquarters to the field uh, geo uh, story, uh, I, I like to break that up and, and shake it up. And anybody who's a good entrepreneur or entrepreneur needs to stand up and collaborate. There's so much digital advantage today that you don't need to sit together like you and I, right, to collaborate and do Absolutely. some good damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's very, very important that when we say we're going global, this is done with people. And so these people are very clever. And why are they versus us and, and all these collaborations? So look around your teams to see somebody in India may have a much better grasp of a problem or may have more time to research something. And so this going global um, does become very crucial. Absolutely. And these notions of, of the headquarters and the field, you know, it's people get very stuck in that. Uh, but I, I like to break that up. Thank you. So now I'd like to talk about your book. You're also an author and uh, yeah. you released Truly Global, the theory and practice of bringing your company to international markets. The book is about enterprise globalization and based on, I'm quoting you, your experience working in geo-alignment, translation, yeah. localization, digital, uh, product UA, globalization, and technical publications team uh, across a handful of Fortune 100 American enterprises. So the book conveys that every company seeking to grow beyond its national boundaries need a globalization team to help develop, translate, adapt, and product promote, uh, promote products to international markets. Can you share some insights um, into how companies do this, and especially the importance of integrating globalization in each department? Yes, so there are companies that know how to do this really well, and um, I, I think there, it's not the norm that companies know how to do this, but you need to think of who is running the show inside of your company, and you need to think of the customer life cycle of your product. Every company is trying to sell something, right? Or you're trying to sell something. It could be that you're trying to sell jewelry and you're a one-man, a one-woman show online. So. You need to think through all the little stages and break down. You have to break every little piece down to its core. The pricing, the timing, the marketing, the support, the service, the return, the break, it got broken, every little thing, right? The, so who drives all those pieces? Um, because in companies that large like ours, where there's thousands and thousands and billions of yes. dollars at stake, uh, you need to create a forum or some sort of very serious uh, governance that it's well architected. Um, and so that's what the book talks about. Um, you can't do this alone. You can't be a localization team and, and say that you're going to do this. You, you have, you need the executive vice president level support because there's a lot of funding involved, right? Uh, you need to have clarity on what countries, you need to have clarity on what products, and you cannot 
take all your products globally. Yeah. Uh, unless unless you're Google or you know and, and your product is is online and quick and short we we have products that have one billion lines of code like imagine taking those you know things to market and so um, uh, some things release on a daily basis because we have a lot of cloud products now so that we have a very agile quick model but we also have products that release maybe every six months, right? So you need to think of who you are. Maybe if your Netflix is very different, if your Dell is very different. Um, but if you're in charge of this, you need to be really good at networking and breaking down Each all one. the pieces of your customer lifecycle. Thank you very much. Um, so now, what would be your best um, advice if she, that you'd give to organizations looking to develop their brands? You're saying breaking each circle. Is there anything else in terms of bringing your services globally? I, yeah, I, I think a little bit what I was saying, if I understood the question, I would uh, trust the person who is running the show, who trusts your director or your vice president of globalization, they'll probably have a good instinct of what pieces are working well and what pieces are not working well. One thing that I've seen throughout, you know, these past decades of working with many companies is usually marketing is pretty well globalized. Legal is very well globalized because you need all the papers, the compliance, the yes. the the right all the, the the trading paperwork uh, you need lawyers in japan you need lawyers in amsterdam wherever your hubs are your tax implications but there are other departments that don't uh they don't think that that way from the get-go and usually it's engineering engineering oh interesting it's very interesting where you see a lot of developers not coding right that's why there's so many internationalization issues where when you're ready to partner in china maybe yeah. the product was encrypted mm -hmm. or the product was hard coded or didn't have the right certificates and so it's very very important that companies have a very clear idea of how a product is even going to get placed inside a country and then once you've placed it who is going to catch that product and who's going to run with that product you need all those pieces right okay thank you very much um now in addition to everything that we've discussed so far you're also the co-founder and chief operating officer of the board of women in localization uh, women in localization, a global community for the advancement of women in the localization industry, uh, yeah. which recently celebrated its 10th anniversary as well. So can yeah. you tell us a little bit about the organization? I understand it counts 5,000 members? Yes, so it's these two different organizations, they're both turning 10, which is amazing, right? It's, it's, it says something that both organizations are turning 10 now. I guess uh, we, we women started smelling something 10 years ago. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, yes, yeah, so Women in Localization was co-founded by Silvia Avari, Eva Claudinova, and I, myself, uh, when we all worked at VeriSign. And uh, 10 years later, we are 5,000. We are 5,000. We're in, I, I can't repeat, I don't know how many chapters we are because we're opening three right now as we speak. We're taught, we're opening in, um, in uh, Russia. Wow, great. we're so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're in Korea. We're everywhere, wow. right? It's uh, Singapore. It's just fascinating. Uh, women need 
other women to help each other, understand each other. Uh, there's a lot of men supporting us, um, you know, in strategy and putting panels together. Uh, but it just works. It really does. I mean, these communities where uh, we need to talk about if you're a mom, if you went through a divorce, if you're a single mom, if you're remarried, I don't know. We, like we, it, it all works. It's the, it's, it's life. Um, and um, we connect to drive innovation and we connect to develop ourselves. I mean, this is also like people that volunteer to run these organizations. I call it like a test bed for leadership. Like you are going to join, we're going to train you and we're going to make you and we're going to help you mm -hmm. and we're going to support you and we're going to mentor you to be the title that we're giving you. And we're giving people titles that they've never dreamt that they would have, but we take them there, right? So we slow down very patiently. We mentor these women uh, into these roles. Um, but yeah, I, I think last year alone, we put 64, 64 innovation panels. Fantastic. On, on, on anything around globalization and uh, culture and being a woman. And so it's, it's just, it's very impressive. That's great. And what are the plans for the continued growth of the organization? Of women in localization? Yes. Uh, we just had a, every year we have a strategy session with uh, one of our advisors, Dr. Pryor. And um, right now it's all going to be about the member. So we are, uh, we've grown a lot and we continue growing. And so this growth, right? Like how do you manage this? We're a volunteer organization that never got one penny from anybody i mean this i don't know anybody else that you know and we just turned the nonprofit to actually start you know being able to get some sponsorships because uh we have to right we can't continue growing like this but uh from our strategy perspective it's going to be all about the member the member the member the member why us and what do you get in return you know, uh, so the 64 sessions on innovation and globalization is something but also we uh lois searle and martina pakula just started um a mentoring program and so we just wow. are about to to kick this off where uh, women can be paired to a mentor um, like me you know and you can ask questions and you can kind of uh, grow great. together yeah. and th there's support there so yes uh, I, I think the year of the member, we're calling it, we want to know how many we are. We finally have a database. Uh, we also want to create an online community because a lot of women don't see it next to a hub, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have, I'll give you a Catalan chapter. If you're not in Barcelona, it's kind yeah. of hard yeah. to drive there. Absolutely, right? yeah. Yeah, because um, so you're talking about like how women can help each other, support each other. And as part of the organization, you have 15 different committees. That's really important to help all the There's 15 committees, yeah. yeah. And these 15 committees are led by program directors, right? And so program director is a very special keyword because a lot of these people were not directors before. And so now we're teaching them and training them what does it mean to be a director? It comes with a lot of accountability, right? And a lot of uh, virtual work and leadership. And yes. it's, I love it. Oh, that's fantastic. And yep. now I'd like to, to end our interview asking you, is there any project that you'd like to share with our audience that you'd be working with or 
any secret projects? <laughs> there is always secret stuff that we're working on. I uh, I think um, and and I have I work with a super clever team. I, I call them the best team ever. I've never had a team this this awesome where uh, they are developing some artificial intelligence for uh, internationalization. So that uh, internationalization is no longer debated, but it just runs in the back end for the developers. So that's one thing we're working on. Uh, The other thing that we're working on is this globalization maturity model that I've never seen anywhere uh, in the world. Um, that it's our IP, and uh, we're starting to work on something that we're calling ego tech. Ego tech, oh, sounds intriguing. Yes, <laughs> yes, because uh, you know, uh, all uh, technology needs to be about me, 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 me. And so, uh, how do we make sure that NetApp's uh, information is super ultra personalized? You know, that that is a, a, a big daunting project, but. Uh, Those are some of the things that we're working on. That's very exciting. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So, Anna, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. I can't thank you enough for your time. And uh, that's the end of today's show. So thank you so much for spending uh, this half an hour with us. Well, welcome. Yes. And so um, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back today with more interviews. So make sure that tune in again to hear Anna Schlegels from NetApp, uh, and uh, we'll be back with more uh, interesting discussion with interesting people from all around the world. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Bye bye.